your work life, your relationships, your money, your health, the meaning of life. Welcome to How to Do Life with Marty Nemco. Well, I got to start by telling you I am biased toward dogs. I've had dogs my whole life and uh, wanted to share with you everything I know about whether you should have a dog, uh, how to choose a dog, whether you want the dog in bed with you, training issues, potty training, walking, sitting, come, stay, issues around food, the joys of walking, which are really fun, maybe not, some of them aren't so obvious, grooming stuff so that uh, your dog doesn't get huge mats, but you're not having to spend a fortune, uh, what else, bringing your dog to work, problems, accidents, chewing up your house, separation when you got to go to work, what happens when you go to on trips, and convincing your employer to let your dog come to work. Anyway, rather full agenda, I'll do the best I can. Anyway, pros and cons. Uh, I want to start with the cons because, you know, I said I'm, I'm biased towards doggies. And so uh, I should at least uh, establish a measure of fairness by uh, pointing out that it's certainly not for everybody. It really, having a doggy is really like having a baby who does not grow up. And you are, you know, if it's a small dog, your dog is going to be with you and you start at the, you know, from puppyhood or even age one for 15, 16, 18, 20 years. So major commitment, average dog, 12 to 14 years, big dog, 10 years. You're talking about major commitment here. And not just of time, but of money. Um, you know, it costs money, you know, vet, something, even if the dog is healthy, it costs exams and ex shots and whatever. But, you know, sometimes you have neutering, whatever, and then not to mention if there's something that goes wrong. Costs are huge. Certain breeds need to be groomed. Much as I'm a fastidious, I've got a dog that's a poodle mix, and every three months or so, doggy goes to the groomer, uh, even though I'm brushing all the time. Uh, so there's dollar cost. There is it's just huge responsibility. Traveling, you know, uh, you've got to either spend the, the spend the money on having a, a you know having somebody stay in your house so that your dog's routine does not get uh, uh, disrupted. Or uh, you've got to pay for a kennel, which I, I don't particularly recommend. It tends to uh, um, decrease. Dogs can get sick. And they're not used to the new environment. It's pretty darn stressful. Uh, they could lose some of their potty training. I'm, uh, you know, unless you travel constantly, and therefore it's really expensive. If you travel only occasionally, if you can get somebody to stay with your doggy at home, and there's a great website called Rover.com that enables you to do that. It's a good idea. Anyway. Um, that's it. It's very time because when you've got to get out, you know, the dogs need to get out. And even if you have a doggy door, dogs like to and need to get exercise. So you're going to be walking them a bunch of times a day, like, you know, minimum, minimum twice, but really that's not enough. Three, four times a day is what I do. Uh, um, okay. Those are the negatives. Positives. Starting right with just what I mentioned, you know, exercise, it forces you to get off your butt. Um, it really is uh, a great way to ensure that I, I'm getting out of my chair because I'm a counselor all the time and a writer and doing these things. So I'm sitting in my chair all the time and it makes me get up and take a good walk. And it's a ritual. Every day I take a 45-minute vigorous hike with my doggy. 
uh, and so it's a great reinforcer. Um, by the way, it also enables me to multitask. I usually take the hike to Trader Joe's and then come back with a heavy load of laundry, of, of, laundry, of, uh, of groceries, so I get really good exercise. I get to think about whatever problems I'm thinking about while I'm walking. We both get our exercise, and he gets to pee and poop. So a walk is great. And I also might mention that it's a great way for you to be an ambassador for doggies. I love the following. I love when we walk. My dog is very cute. Let me see. Oh, maybe he's sleeping here. Let me see if we can, if you're watching. There he is. Okay. Um, whenever I see a little kid, uh, you know, usually with his mother, but sometimes with the father, I, unless I'm really in a rush, I stop and say, you want to pet the doggie? He's a kissing doggie. And the kids are often maybe, you know, too shy and they hide behind mommy's skirts. But, uh, you know, it's a desensitization thing and very often they will uh, hug and pet it when they see that my doggy is a kissing doggy. It's just a lovely little moment of life experience. Um, so there are a lot of pros to having a dog. Uh, I do, frankly, uh, love sleeping. My wife and I do love having uh, uh, Hachi sleep and he sleeps nuzzled against us and it's... Uh, very sweet, uh, and so you know, and three. I was surprised to read recently that three quarters of people who have dogs, maybe it's two thirds, have their dogs sleep in bed with them. Now I'm not saying if you have a Great Dane or two, as one of my friends has two Great Danes, 180 pounds, 170 pounds. No, <laughs> I can imagine that that's the ultimate birth control. Not to mention sleep inhibitor. Uh, have two dogs like that in bed with a couple, but um, short of that. Um, it's pretty comfy. And besides, you know, maybe if you've seen any dog movies, you know that if the owner tries to have the dog um, sleep not in the bed, there will be a, a certainly some period of yelping. <laughs> they want to be in the bed with you um, and such. Um, okay, so those are some pros and cons. Now a little bit about choosing. Um, I think the best way to talk about choosing is the way I just chose this last dog, Hachi. I had my previous dog, uh, Einstein, I had for 13 and a half years, a lovely, lovely doggy um, who suddenly died of a, a heart attack or a stroke or something right away on my, my living room floor. But in any case, um, choosing. So what I did was um, I never would go to a breeder. I really liked there's too many dogs that have to get, quote, euthanized. So I would only get a dog from a pound or humane society or whatever, not to mention it's a hell of a lot cheap, right? I have a friend who spent $3,000 on a Labradoodle or some kind of doodle, uh, crazy to me. Um, so, um, but what there are now, which is great, there are um, websites that you can set up an alert so that when a dog that meets your requirements comes available, you get an email. It's like, you know, those job search websites where you can you know, as soon as a job that comes as that's a, a job opening that's a good match can get sent to your email. Same with doggies. And the three are petharbor.org, I believe, or petcom, check it out, Pet Harbor, and then adopt a pet, and then pet finders. Uh, so, in any case, um, I was watching these alerts, and then uh, a new one came up that my Hachi, my sweet Hachi, which, by the way, <clears throat> If you want to cry at a movie, which is just so touching, I've seen a bunch of dog movies because I'm a dog nut, but the best dog movie by far, not just in my opinion, but the reader reviews like on IMDb or the expert reviews, Hachi, H-A-C-H-I, uh, and that is what I named my dog. I'll tell you briefly the story of Hachi. A professor, this is a true story, uh, year 1910, the town is Shibuya, Japan, which is a suburb of Tokyo, uh, but back then it was a small town. 
And in 1910, in a small town, there were certainly no uh, cars. And there was this professor who lived there who had a dog named Hachi. And every day, off the leash, he would walk the dog to the train station, and the dog would watch him go off on the train. And then the dog would toddle back home. And then at 5.30 every day, the returning train would whistle, and that would be the signal for Hachi to come back and meet his owner, or I should say caretaker. Um, Peter's warning us about calling dog owners owners. There were caretakers only, or guardians. Um, in any case, um, and they would do that for a year and a half, you know, walking to and from the train station. But one day, 5.30, the whistle for the train blows, the dog comes back, door opens from the train, and the guardian, the owner, the caretaker is not there. Guess how long Hachi waited for his owner? Ten years. The owner had died of a stroke, or uh, I think a stroke, at work. And uh, the people who lived around the train station ended up taking care of Hachi. In any case, it's a beautiful, beautiful movie. They made a movie with Richard Gere about it. And because the Japanese particularly value loyalty, there are nine statues of Hachi all over Japan uh, as a symbol of loyalty. Anyway, that's why I named my dog Hachi. In any case, so choosing. So having had dogs my whole life and not, you know, being kind of thorough by nature. And, uh, you know, I read all the articles about how to choose a dog. And there were these personality tests to see how aggressive or not aggressive they are, how people friendly, uh, how alert, uh, all the rest of it. So I had all these, I was prepared. <clears throat> when I saw this dog Hachi come up on the internet, uh, uh, and I called and they uh, they said, oh, everybody loves this doggy. He just came available. He had been roaming the streets of San Jose for five months, and he was found with hair all the way down to his ground, all the way down to the ground. They don't have fur, they have hair. This guy is part, part poodle. Um, anyway, um, they said everybody loves him. He just came available because they had to do surgeries on him. This was the Silicon Valley Humane Society, by the way, that's funded by the ostensibly evil corporate America, but they paid for the surgeries. Uh, he had foxtails in his ears that were infected and in all over his body. Uh, and they, of course, had to, because he had all those mats, his hair was down on the ground. Any case, so I'm all, I'm going down there, you know, when they tell me everybody love all the people at the Humane Society love him. So I, um, uh, so I knew a dog like that, uh, who's very cute, um, isn't going to last long. So I race in my car and I get down there and I'm prepared with all of my personality tests for the dog. And I get there and I, they have little condos for the doggies. So I get into the condo and the dog was, Hachi was at that point, his, they called him Bert, but I like Hachi, so I changed his name. They called him Bert, and they didn't know who he was a stray. He was just found on the streets of San Jose, so they didn't know what his name really was. They had temporarily named him um, Bert. Anyway, um, Hachi slash Bert was at the far end of the condo, doggy condo. And I go in there, and I get on my knees, and he quietly sidles up to me and rests his head on my next to my thigh. And all the personality tests went by the board. But... My message to you is, well, it turned out to be fine. See if you can indeed restrain your emotion and the kind of personality tests are to see, you know, does he back away in fear, let alone bark? Um, does he, will he come to you? How does he react when you pet him? How alert is he? Wagging tail is not necessarily a sign of happiness, it's a sign of excitement. But either way, it's fine. But you don't want the tail down and cowering and then take the dog for a walk. Not that the dog may be, especially if it's a young dog or a stray, may not be perfectly trained, 
but is he comfortable, relatively comfortable on a leash? Um, anyway, those are some thoughts. And of course, you know, at most humane societies, they don't have the money to have vets fully check out the dog. So you, you want to uh, immediately take him to the vet right away so you don't get too bonded and make sure the vet gives a clean bill of health. Frankly, I had one previous incident where I adopted a sweet little doggy, um, but I took him to the vet and the vet said he's got a pretty bad heart murmur and I exercised quite vigorously and I couldn't have a dog with a, a serious problem like that. So do, as soon as you uh, have adopted the doggy, do take it to the vet and then if necessary, and believe me, it was very painful for me to have to return that sweet dog, the dog's name was Angel, uh, return sweet Angel back to the Humane Society, but I, I just couldn't have a dog where I couldn't exercise with him. Anyway, okay, so that's the choosing process. Now, first decision you're going to have to make is, as I mentioned, the bed. Most doggies love to be in the bed, as I said, and you will, if you insist on not having the doggie in the bed, um, you will probably have some nights of well of yelping and uh, unhappiness, and really net net unless, as I said, unless you have you know gargantuan dogs like a Burmese, one of those Burmese monsters or Great Danes, the the benefits of having a dog, unless your dog is you know uh, you know going to be uh, who's going to be up all night and whatever, but most dogs that I've had, none of my dogs have you know been up all night the worst is that they they snore my doggy my little dog he's only two years old and he's already snoring a bit but you know you get used to it. it's like with if your romantic partner snores a bit you know it doesn't mean you kick him or her out of bed um okay um so first decision is bed uh potty training critical um this is where you have to be vigilant for the first few days or a week you must and the rules are, it's well established, but I will repeat them here. So, you know, doggies want to pee usually as soon as they get up from a nap or within about 20 minutes after they've eaten. So you want to be super vigilant. And you may have to, for the first couple of days, um, take a couple of days off from work if you can so that you're there to monitor all that. Now, there, you know, people do when they have to go to work, they do get these dog crates. My dog, every time I've tried a crate, I tried it with two dogs. They hated the crate. They did not get used to it, notwithstanding what the experts say. In fact, one would chew and broke a tooth trying to get out of the uh, out of the crate, even though I had his toys in there and a mat in there and food and everything. Um, so, you know, it may in the long run be worth taking a couple of days off, but every time he gets up right after he eats, you know, and just keeping him in the room that you're in, so that you can um, you can monitor him. It's a lot of work in the beginning, but as soon as you sense him, maybe starting to sniff, or you know that's certainly the sign. Or get up, take him to his pee place, or if it's through, through a doggy door, walk him to the doggy door and go through the doggy door. And, and then, of course, as soon as he pees or poops, praise him, pet him, give him, bring your dog treats. Um, you know, the dog treats that he likes. Every dog has different preferences on dog treats. My drug dog loves the, this, these lamb, uh, kind of New Zealand, Kiwi, New Zealand lamb dinner things, but I don't feed him for dinner. I just give him these little treats from, give him one little bit, and he loves those to death. Also, Trader Joe's treats. Um, so, really being assiduous in that is going to avoid a lot of peeing, pooping, smelling, and don't, you know, I, I don't believe in the, in those pads uh, where you're, um, 
You know, you put them on, because then you're training them, you got to train them again, and you just got the smell of the pad in the house. Do it right one time, and then, you know, your dog will be perfectly trained for life. And if there is an accident, don't yell too much because they just freak out. Just say in a fairly loud voice, and I don't want to freak out my dog, but I'll say, no, just like that, and then pick them up, take them to the pee-poop place, and then be ready to praise the hell out of them if he pees the poop some more. That is really critical. It's obviously, you know, job one. With regard to walking, use what's called a Martindale leash uh, or something that is not going to choke them because if you're pulling too much, it could hurt their larynx. Um, uh, so there's the Martindale uh, collar and then there's something to avoid the neck altogether that you kind of put around there, but I don't bother with that. It's too much hassle and they're not comfortable having to wear that, you know, put that on all the time or wear it all the time. So I, uh, I just use a Martindale collar and... Again, I don't pull real hard. When, when we're walking and I want him to walk next to me, they get used to even a gentle tug is going to keep your dog um, eventually, not doesn't take forever, but get realize that he can't pull uh, and do what he wants. He's got to pee or poop where you want. Uh, so you just keep walking. If he pulls, you just give him a gentle tug. And, and as he's walking well, you say, good hachi, good hachi. And uh, eventually... And you might want to bring your, the treats with you so that when he does pee or poop at the right time, you give him a reward there, uh, at least for the first week or so, so that he really understands that this is critical. And when he's walking well, you could say, good Hachi, good Hachi, or whatever. So um, you are listening to How to Do Life. I am Marty Nemco. We're talking dogs. Um, when I, we come back, we'll talk about uh, uh, chewing separation issues, trips, uh, and convincing your employer uh, uh, to let you bring doggy to work. You're listening to How to Do Life with Marty Nemco. You can email Dr. Marty Nemco with your comments and questions at m-n-e-m-k-o at comcast.net or for his articles and books, visit martynemco.com. That's M-A-R-T-Y n-e-m-k-o dot com now back to how to do life thanks for staying with me um, now we're talking dogs so let's talk about um, problems chewing uh, especially if you have a puppy because their teeth are coming in they're they're teething and dogs uh, many dogs have had a real range of, you know, some dogs will want to destroy everything, chew furniture, chew uh, their toys, their their plush toys last about five minutes. And then my current dog just gently does it, so it's going to vary. But, you know, it's really hard to stop. So what you really do need to do is essentially baby-proof your house. So go through your house and anything that you don't want chewed, you know, uh, put away. Of course, you can't put away your furniture, but... Um, uh, Try to, you know, and have plenty of toys that he can chew, you know, depending upon how heavy a chewer, how big a, you know, st strong a, a chewer he is, you may need to get things like Nyla bones. And there are also, if you go on Amazon, you'll, uh, there's rough and tough that are soft and cuddly, but they're very resistant to being torn apart. And the reason is not to, you know, to, to get one of those is it, it's, it's bonding for the, the doggy to have the, you know, uh, the same kind of toy. I, you know, my dogs normally have three or four different toys at one time. Um, but if they're tearing up a new one every five minutes, it both, it sounds silly, but it's, 
for me, it feels nice to see him with his favorite toy. His favorite toy is one of the rough and tough, they have a fish, a yellow fish, and he loves it, a little koi. Uh, you know, it feels nice to see those things around the house. There's something nice about ritual. But that's, I may be splitting hairs here. But the bottom line is to be, you know, to, to try to baby-proof your house to avoid too much uh, getting eaten. Now, of course, I have in the past not always been ultimately completely successful. I had a, a, a little bottle of pills that I take, and my previous dog took them and ate them, and I had to go to the vet to get the stomach pumped. He ate my the only pair of glasses that I ever had that I really liked. So I'm not saying it's going to be perfect. You're going to have to shrug your shoulders as uh, it's transient. It doesn't last forever. Um, but do the best you can about baby-proofing that which is important. Um, and if you have, especially if you have a jumper, my current dog doesn't jump. My previous dog, dog would jump on the counter and jumped on the bathroom counter and took my, uh, my electric toothbrush and chewed that up. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, there, you, you do unfortunately have to have kind of a sense of humor about it, but <clears throat> do the best you can to baby proof, uh, your house against that. Now, you know, if you go to work, um, you know, you're going to have to leave your dog for, you know, eight, ten hours at times. Um, dogs are remarkable after a while, after, not as a puppy, but, you know, starting as an adult, they can hold it for that, that you know, 10, 11 hour period. Although I'm a sucker and so uh, uh, I do work at home, so it's not a problem. But if I worked, I'd probably have somebody come in once a day, uh, you know, to, to, to walk them and exercise them, take them for a vigorous hike, you know. It depends on how, you know, your money situation, but I, they charge like, I don't know, 30 bucks for an hour walk. And um, for me to know that he's not crossing his legs and also getting great exercise and very often walking with other dogs and very often they take them in an off-leash place where they can get all the, you know, freedom and exercise you want. Um, that's, you know, for me, that's, a, that's, that's worth doing. Um, but, and sometimes... You know, it, dogs do have separation issues. Some of them do. And the best way to deal with it is, right before you leave, have a ritual where you pet the dog twice. Don't make a big deal out of it, but you pet the dog twice and say, Daddy always comes home, and that in that tone of voice, or Mommy always comes home, and then leave. That's it. And when you come back, sure, if, you know, if... if if your dog loves you, which he probably will, he will wag his tail, maybe his whole body, grateful to see you. So yes, give him a hug, a pet, but don't make too big a deal out of it. Don't make it a three-minute thing like this was life and death. You know, give a hug, a, a pet, or whatever, um, and that that's your best shot at reducing separation issues. Now, trips. What if you have to go on a long trip? Um, uh, as I said earlier, I'm going to reiterate, um, I don't believe in kennels because it tends to reduce the uh, their how potty trained they are. They're they more prone to disease, including something literally called kennel cough, uh, and it's disconcerting for a dog to have to be in this new environment for a few days. Um, so I do spend the money, and again, I understand that if you don't have the money, it's one thing, but I do spend the money to uh, have somebody uh, stay with my doggy while I'm gone, and you know it's because it's not a highly skilled thing. Uh, it's not that expensive. And I do go to, ro I've, now I have my regular dog sitter. I have two or three that I've used that are wonderful. But um, rover.com has got reader reviews, user reviews, so you can really pick a wonderful person. And it can be like 40, 50, 60 a night, something like that for overnight. 
per 24-hour period. And for me, it's not much more expensive than a uh, than a kennel, and I feel much more comfortable. And also, the dog can, you know, the, the house sitter can water my plants or do whatever. Uh, and it also is safer to, you know, when you have somebody in your house uh, uh, rather than your it being empty for a week or whatever. So um, that's how I deal with trips. Um, dogs to work. You know, I understand that there are some workplaces that just can't have there either because it's against the law or they're afraid of fleas or complaints or whatever, allergies. But I have seen many, many workplaces that allow dogs and pets, cats and birds and whatever. Um, and as long as there are reasonable rules, like, yes, your dog has to be potty trained. Yes, your dog cannot have fleas. You know, one you only get one time of a, uh, you know, if you screw up and then the dog can't come anymore. But I have seen, you know, in today's ever more stressful situations uh, at work, um, having a pet-friendly workplace really does enhance the culture. So um, if you are so inclined, and that way you don't have to leave your doggy at home, um, Explain, you know, how you would deal to, you know, to your boss, how you would deal with these issues. In other words, say, you know, what I just described there, you know, a one-time, uh, one, one screw-up policy for people who bring their dogs. And also, if somebody says they're allergic, you know, uh, there may be a way to reseed people so that they're not, um, uh, you know, so that they're not, you know, near the near the near the dog that's uh, uh, offensive. Um, by the way, there that's another real big advantage of having a hypoallergenic dog. Um, I have always gotten uh, terrier mixes and poodle mixes uh, that tend to have not fur, which has dander and can cause some allergies for people, but have hair, and that means that whenever people come to your house, you don't have to worry about an allergy. You know, I'm a career counselor, so at home I've got people coming in and out all the time. Uh, and having a dog that is hypoallergenic uh, is 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 great. And even you know, just for parties when you have people come over, or when you're walking a dog and uh, you know somebody has a kid, you don't have to worry that there there's going to be an allergy involved. So I do recommend uh, uh, hypoallergenic dogs, and those tend to be poodle mixes uh, tend to be that way. Um, what else do I want to tell you? Um, I think I guess this is a good time for me just to reiterate a few things. Let me summarize. First of all, so uh, having a doggy is like uh, having a baby who doesn't grow up. So it is a 10 to 20 year commitment if you're starting with a young dog uh, and one of not only of time, but of money. Um, uh, dogs do get sick. Dogs do eat crap they're not supposed to eat. Dogs develop diseases and it's uh, it can be very expensive. Uh, two. Uh, choosing a dog, uh, it does pain me to see people choose dogs to try to intimidate people. They choose, you know, the 83% or 82% of all dog maulings are one breed, pit bull. Uh, and the other next two are uh, Rottweiler and German Shepherd. Uh, I, I understand maybe you need a watchdog for security or whatever, but the intimidation, and certainly most pit bulls are fine, some of them are sweet, but you know, with 82% of all dog maulings and even a higher percentage of dog maulings that where the dog won't let go, where the dog grabs and bites and whatever and then gets pulled away and the dog goes back and bites more, even a higher percentage is pit bulls. 
you know, and you don't want to just intimidate people, you know, people are appropriately scared of pit bulls, even though most of them are very nice. So try to choose a breed that is uh, going to be not intimidating and friendly to most people. Don't try to be macho about it. Although in, in many humane societies and pounds, most dogs now are chihuahuas or pit bulls or pit bull mixes. Um, then in terms of, again, brief summary in terms of training, um, you know, really the first few days is critical in, in being in, in avoiding the peeing and pooping. Really monitor them carefully for that. Uh, and I'm looking at the clock and I'm out of time, so I'm simply going to tell you that it's a big decision, but there's, it has brought a great deal of joy, stress reduction, and mandated exercise to my life and love. Um, and so now, as I end every show, I'm Marty Nemco reminding you that we find comfort among those who agree with us, growth among those who don't. For comments on the show or to consult with Marty Nemco, his email address is mnemko at comcast.net. How to Do Life is produced by Marty Nemco. Post-production, Mel Baker. Music from the Blue Dot Sessions. Thanks for listening.